One of the most frequent questions I've received, and I'm sure Nathan has received it quite a bit too, is where do you guys get all your sources for surveillance support? Because we'll cover sometimes 40, 50 stories in a single week. Uh, I think that's like a max. Most of them will probably see about 30. Um, but still, like we have to read through a ton of stories. And how do we get all these stories together in a single week? And so I wanted to kind of go through my workflow. I wanted to see what Nate's workflow was like. And we can kind of share with you how we do that so you can try to replicate and take what you like about what we do. So I guess I'm going to go ahead and start by asking you, Nate, uh, what does your workflow start like? Um, so my workflow, I, I mainly rely on RSS feeds and, um, I just have several that I've kind of amassed over the last few years of doing this. And I, I started off with like the privacy subreddit and, you know, like some of the bigger Ars Technica and Wired and, um, and then just over the years, just as I've noticed like, oh, this outlet keeps getting posted a lot or, you know, um, I actually got one recommendation from your uh, Go Incognito, which was Hacker News. And yeah, just whenever I see a relevant source, I just add them to my RSS feed. You might have mentioned it at some point, but I wasn't fully sure. But I'm glad to hear you mentioned RSS because that's what I use as well. Um, to fill in people, RSS is, you know, when you subscribe to a YouTube channel and you kind of have a list now of all their videos. Anytime they upload a video, you get notified via YouTube. RSS does that for pretty much most websites, all in one central place. So in our RSS feeds, we're going to have 5, 10, 15 different sources. And anytime an update happens, like they publish a new article, they publish a new video, they publish a new podcast, then it sends a notification for that single source. So you can have hundreds of sources all in one central location via RSS. And this is all like a open federated it's not i don't know if it's technically federated but it's kind of like open and anyone can use it in any way they imagine you can use any rss client it's a very open way of doing things which we're very much a big fan of um do you want to cover some of the main places that you use i mean for um for actual stories i think i've listed most of them um wired ars technica the privacy subreddit um privacy guides um the main thing that takes it up is I also follow pretty much every single service I recommend on my website. I also follow them on Twitter through RSS. So that definitely takes up the vast majority of the stuff I wade through. But um, yeah. Interesting. So on my end, I have several subreddits. Something that's cool is I found a Reddit RSS bot that pretty much only publishes updates for subreddits given certain criteria. So like the privacy guides subreddit, it'll only send me updates if there's a post that got more than 50 upvotes. So that way I'm not just getting constant updates just from basic posts. It's just like only the popular posts ends up in my RSS feed. So I never actually have to open Reddit ever. Um, you also can do this for Twitter. You can do this for YouTube channels. You can do this actually our whole podcast and the way podcasts work is done with RSS. Um, and it's something very cool. So when you add the feed to your uh, podcasting app, that's using RSS. So anytime you publish something, it tells everyone in the world, we just published a new podcast. That's kind of it. So I follow multiple Android ROMs. I follow the cybersecurity subreddit. There's the privacy subreddit, privacy guides. I follow the Tor subreddit. And then um, I follow ThreatPost. I follow Signals blog. And I'm a big fan of Slashdot. I think if oh, there's yeah. one resource to add for just everything that's just tech related, not even privacy and security, check out Slashdot. Something else, and this is a question I have for you, Nate, 
do you ever find stories from people that give you a story? Like, is there a story that just like isn't reported by any mainstream media, but one of our listeners emails you a story and you're like, oh, no one's talking about this. Um, that does happen sometimes. Like I, I think, uh, I don't know if we covered it or not, but I remember a while back the owner of, I think it was dark dot fail, which is a, um, it's just like a website of popular onion websites and, uh, their, their addresses. So like, um, like it would have like the duck, duck, go onion link and stuff like that. Um, they lost control of their website and it's, I, last I checked, it's not really clear how, but basically somebody stole their website that they were hosting through like Namecheap or something like that, like a major provider. And, um, yeah, that story, I didn't see that anywhere, but somebody emailed me, I think on two to Nota and was just like, Hey, have you seen this? And I was like, no, I haven't, but yeah. So it, it doesn't happen too often, but it does happen every now and then. Um, same on my end. I've had, I think maybe a total of less than five stories. So it's pretty rare, but occasionally there is a story where like no one's talking about it. And honestly, they tend to be, uh, international stories Mm. typically it's someone from a smaller country and they're like hey this is getting no coverage but it's kind of a big deal here in our country yeah and then they'll send me a story and then um sometimes we we don't put it in because it would just take we we have so many stories to go through so sometimes it really isn't something that we have time to cover but sometimes it ends up making it inside and that's something else we're kind of in a unique position because we are whether we like it or not authorities in the space to some extent. And so when there are stories, it's very easy for us to find them because people on Twitter will at me, did you see this? And 90% of the times it's like, yes, I already saw that. You don't need to at me. But sometimes there is that 10% where it's like, oh, I didn't check my RSS feed this weekend. And this person just tagged me in this like really big story that actually somehow didn't make my RSS feed. Yeah. So sometimes like there are some cracks that are filled from um, the community, which is really cool. And that's something else too. I think a really good and easy way to keep up with the basic news, if you're not trying to get each story outside of listening to surveillance support, of course, um, is joining a privacy community. Um, because a lot of times the community just naturally shares things. It can be on Reddit. There's the privacy subreddit. Um, I personally don't like a lot of the advice they give there sometimes, <laughs> but they do post a lot of news articles. So you can just follow it purely for the news and um, you can see some of the discussions people have. You can engage in it. You can ask questions about it. You can join more, uh, you can join matrix communities. There's discord communities. There's a lot of privacy communities out there and you should really take advantage of that because even five years ago, you might've not really found much like this. Yeah, not to uh, self-promote, but that there's one guy in in my matrix room who's really good about posting articles and like he never spams, but he'll post maybe like two or three a day that just like, oh, here's a big story that everyone should know about. He's really good at doing that. Yeah. I feel like a lot of communities have that. Like we have some people like that in our communities as well. It's like nice. Just that one person who has that like unofficial job <laughs> of posting stories and when they don't, it's like, <laughs> "Hey, you didn't die on me, did you? Where's my news, bro? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I think like a, a good check-in point. So two things. One, find like a consistent source of information. We both highly recommend RSS, not just for keeping up with like privacy and security stuff, but really anything you're passionate about. RSS is such a great way to just centrally keep track of everything without needing to access each individual website. Rather than having to log into YouTube, then Twitter, then Facebook, then Reddit to check up on everything, you can have it all inside a single client. 
it's pretty phenomenal. It's very convenient, and it lets you sort through the BS and just find what you're looking for. Well, and the other nice thing is it uh, uh, just real quick. It also puts everything back in chronological order. So like with YouTube and Reddit and Twitter and all of them, you know, ever since they've rolled out the algorithmic timeline, it's like, here's a tweet from three seconds ago. Here's a tweet from four hours ago. Here's a tweet from 10 minutes ago. But like with RSS, it's all in order or, you know, at least if you sort it that way, it's all in order and it just, yeah, it's magical. No, thanks for bringing that up. And that's something else is like when you're using YouTube, you're stuck with what YouTube wants to supply to you. And that's just not a reality with RSS. With RSS, everything is sorted just by the order that which it was released, and that's phenomenal. So you're you're absolutely right. You're also escaping, um, you're escaping the ecosystem too. So that's another perk. And then from there, once you have your own established like day to day routine of getting your own news, we also recommend joining a community. Not just for keeping up with news, but just having a community can really be helpful in dealing with the news, because there are there are some very depressing news stories. I, I'd say. 80, I'm just throwing this number out there. It's not actually a number that it has any data to back it up, but I would say it's like 80, 20% in terms of negative to positive news in the privacy community. I think it's overwhelmingly negative and it's really important to be able to have a community to be able to talk those things out, in my opinion. It's really nice to have other people who share the frustration with, with you. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, I don't know. I'm a very cynical person, so I'm probably not the right person to say how much of it is depressing or not. But it's definitely nice to have other people who are like-minded who um, can encourage you and you know remind you that you're not alone and you're not the only one trying to fight this uphill battle for privacy and security. And um, yeah, I agree with that. And also just to to get general help. Like when you first said community, that was my first thought. Was like to be able to post an article and like, Hey, what do you think this means? What are your opinions? What's other perspectives on this? And, or even if it's just something you don't understand. So. Yeah. And I think it also allows you to see different perspectives on the articles as well. Um, which we we're always for. Yeah. Like we hope that you're not, well, if, if your choice is getting no news or just listening to surveillance support, we're still going to hope you listen to surveillance support <laughs> because that's better than nothing. But I think best case scenario, you're listening to the podcast, but also you're listening to other podcasts. You're listening to other people and hear their perspectives on the issue because we want you to get whatever takeaway you need to get from each article. Like we want you to critically analyze things in a way where you're going to be able to take the most out of it. And I think a community can be a big part of that journey for sure. Um, There's really no harm in joining a community, in my opinion. You can always leave if you don't like it. (laughs) Exactly. If it's negatively impacting you in any way, you always you can always just leave. Um, and yeah, like we have, I, I really like Nathan's community. I'm inside his community. I like my community. Um, and I think Seth, who runs uh, Seth for Privacy, he has a community on Matrix as well. I love listening to his podcast, man. It's so good. Yeah, yeah. Check out his podcast, uh, the Opt Out Podcast. It's really great stuff. He brings on people for his interviews. Nathan and I both have been on his uh, podcast as as the interviewees. Is that correct? <laughs> I think so, yeah. Well, was there anything else, Nathan, that you wanted to bring up in regards to keeping up to date with news uh, as individuals who, lis- who listen to the podcast? Um, you originally said something about how to know which sources to trust. Is that something you still want to talk about? <laughs> Yeah, sure. That's that's a good... Thank you for bringing that up. So one thing to be careful of is 
I think a great place to start is avoiding places that consistently rely on sensationalization. <laughs> consistently rely on sensationalization. Is that? I think so. Is that is that a word? I think so. I think so as well. Um, if you're on a, if you're accessing a source and every little thing that happens is, oh my God, you need to get away, big tech, blah blah blah. You should probably proceed with caution just because um, they're probably trying to get clicks more so than actually cover stories in a fair way. Um, it's not to say that the information they're sharing isn't necessarily accurate or anything like that. It's just we don't even think that's the healthiest thing from a mental perspective to be absorbing. Um, ideally, we should be getting as close to factual information as possible. And then you create your own emotion from the content. I think that that's how I see it. Um, do you have any thoughts on there? Um, on, on that? Uh, you, I guess you can cut this part if you want, but, um, I think, I think everyone is biased and I think that's kind of okay as long as people acknowledge their biases, which is also why like in surveillance report, I will say like, okay, this is my personal opinion or, you know, like we're going to talk about signal in this next story and I use signal just so you know, uh, so that people like I'm, I'm owning my biases, but also like, I think, um, I think it's important to recognize those biases because a lot of you see it more in, and I'm trying not to be political. You see it a lot in like mainstream non-privacy related news is, you know, people will, they do very little and it's very, very subtle. It's like the wording they use. Like, again, I'm not trying to be political, but like, um, the term illegal immigrant versus undocumented immigrant, like even that is a, a slant. And I, I think it's important to recognize those biases. Um, Man, my thought just got away from me. I think that is a good thought, though. Yeah, and like like recognizing biases, because I, I mean, I, again, I don't think it's necessarily bad. Like you, like you said, like we should try to be as fact based as possible. But at the same time, we're gonna be people, and we're gonna have our own opinions and our own perspectives that seep in, no matter how hard we try. And knowing that, I think, can help you uh, sort through, like, um. You know, like, for example, like somebody who sees all the headlines about the crappy VPNs out there, and then they say, well, I recommend Tor instead of VPNs, to know their bias and know, like, okay, they've only ever had bad experiences with VPNs, that's why they're recommending that. You know, I, I don't know, am I making sense? <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think that makes sense. I think that, like, what you're getting at is just being aware of your biases, being being aware of other people's biases, and then from there, being able to assess whether or not it's an information, it's a source that you want to use constantly, and if it is, then at least you're able to take it in a way where you're aware of any issues that might, and how, pretty much, whatever it is, you're able to translate it into something that's meaningful for you in a healthy way. Yeah. I think it really depends on what it is. Sometimes I will make decisions that are more from like a morality standpoint. Like um, after the proton mail, uh, I, I just told Nate about this, but after the proton mail drama, which came out, um, what, like almost two months ago now? Something like that. Um, the hack, yeah, the Hacker News put out a super misleading headline, which they did change, but the original headline was beyond misleading and it was clear that they were really trying to push some buttons on the clickbait. And that was the article that was being shared around a ton originally before they changed the headline again. And I I unfollowed the Hacker News from everything. Even though I liked them overall, that for me was more like a, wow, like you really tried to push buttons and what are you going to do next time something like this happens? 
but like th those are your decisions and like i hope that your rss feed is unique compared to everyone else's because all of us have, have different biases and all of us are going to have different things that we prioritize and we want our news for and also this doesn't just apply to privacy and security i think this can be for all of your um news intake for anything that you're passionate about um, and honestly i think rss is a truly powerful thing the only thing with RSS is I feel, I feel like it could be dangerous, and this is kind of like the pro. Sometimes the pros to social media is it does expose you to new ideas. Um, it's hard to get that through RSS because you're literally following exactly what you want to follow every single day. And maybe an easy way to combat that is to just to subscribe to a couple general RSS feeds that apply to several fields. Um, it could just be like a general world updates RSS feed. Um, or something else, you can follow some people you don't agree with on RSS. And that's kind of good advice for really anywhere you get your news from, is follow some people you truly do not agree with um, to at least uh, check some other opinions here and there. Yeah, I was going to say, that's what I do. I um, So I have my RSS feed that I use for like news and privacy and uh, technology. But then I also have a different feed, which I actually need to go through and organize, that's uh, like actual news. It's like BBC and... Um, I'm trying to remember who else is on there. I mainly pay attention to BBC. I like them. But and uh like you were saying, like I I follow some other I'm trying not to state my political opinions publicly. Uh I follow other uh, a couple other news outlets that are on the opposite aisle of the political aisle for me simply because I do know that my political side will leave things out sometimes or will not cover a story and I want to see the other side cover that so that at least I know what's going on and you know yeah just getting that opposite opinion like you said and yeah and, and that applies to everything just like Nathan said including just normal politics oh yeah there's it's, some privacy people I follow do. that I hate <laughs> <laughs> there's there's a few Dang. privacy people that I'm like literally like my coworkers will see they'll come in and they'll be like why are you watching this video if you hate this guy and I'm like because I want to know what crap he's saying so that I'm prepared for it yeah exactly um i'm sure we both um have our our, our dislikes for certain <laughs> people and in in and and that's fine i think that like they probably don't like us as well um that's fine um so yeah i i think the takeaways here is stay up to date find whatever works best for you we highly recommend rss it's it's a fantastic tool join communities be aware of your biases and also like really just check the sources and try to use um, to the best capability that you can try to use your best common sense on what sources you should be following and listening to. Oh, that reminds me. That's that's why I brought up bias as we were talking about how to trust a source. And like when you recognize their bias, you can. And I, I think this is kind of a learned skill a little bit, but you learn to recognize the people that it's like, OK, this is their natural human bias or perspective sneaking in. And this is like, no, this is just a straight up propaganda piece telling me how to feel. And yeah, that's why, that's why I brought up biases. I, I think that's, you know, and one way to recognize it is like, like I said, the words they use is a good way to recognize somebody's bias, but it's also just, it, and kind of goes back into what you said about like finding other opinions too, because if you hear somebody else tell the same story from the opposite perspective, that's also a good way to find out like, well, did they omit part of the story? Did they miss part of the story? Um, or, you know, just what's the other perspective that they didn't mention or didn't think about? Yeah. I love that. I think it's a really good way to simplify 
um, the complicated world of staying up to date <laughs> on news, which shouldn't be complicated. Ah, if only. Um, but we get we get so many questions about it. So clearly, it's an issue for people. And um, I hope that this podcast kind of. I don't know if it directly helped. We didn't put together like a five point strategy of keeping up with news, but hopefully it added context as to what we do back here and some of the things that you might help you and might help you lead to a closer answer at home. Yeah, I agree. Well, that's all I had to say about that. Um, unless you have anything else to say, then I'm pretty happy with where this is. And I think people are going to get a lot of good information from it. Um, no, I got nothing. I just... Yeah, hope it's helpful. All right. Well, we'll see you next weekend. This is probably going to drop on a Wednesday. So we'll see you this. Actually, it's this weekend um, for a normal episode of Surveillance Report. Yeah.